through 7, and uh, be speaking to you today uh, on something that I, I believe is important. How many have ever been discouraged in the season that you're in? Amen. How many have ever wanted to quit and wanted, wanted to give up? You know, one of the things that, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of pastors say is, you know, on Monday, they, there's a lot of pastors who want to quit on Monday, right? But then the Lord gets a hold of them, and he keeps them going, and I've heard that said quite a bit. But uh, I, I want to just talk to you. Um, sometimes when you're in a waiting season or you're in an obs- obscurity or you're in a place of, of, of maybe angst in your walk with the Lord, there's a purpose uh, for your waiting, amen? How many know that there's a purpose to your waiting? And sometimes... We don't recognize what God is doing. How many know that God is always working? Right? When I'm at my worst, God is always at his best. And so God is continually working. So I want to look at this story, 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. All right, it says this. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. How many know that takes a lot of boldness to make a statement like that? And the word of the Lord came to him, uh, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Verse 5, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Verse 7, and after a while the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. I want to talk to you today. Uh, about there is a purpose to your waiting. There is a purpose to your waiting. Will you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word. God, it's transformational. God, it changes us. Lord, it it speaks to us. God, I don't know where everyone is in this house today, but God, I pray, Lord, that they would be encouraged by your word. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use me as you see fit. Lord, lead me by your Holy Spirit. God, help me to get out of the way. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said... Amen. Uh, I will say this. How many know that God is still working on all of us? Can I tell you, as your pastor, none of you have arrived. I'll be the first to say, I have not arrived. Now, when you say, I've arrived where God wants me, and listen, there's a pride there that, that God wants to take you a little bit further, a little bit better. How many know that God is constantly working on us? And I know... Everyone in here is uh, at a different walk or a different level in their walk. And, and you know, some of my, some of my heroes or people uh, that I like to look up to in ministry are those who stay the course no matter how tough it gets. I like people that are planted. Amen? Amen? Right? If you married your spouse and you didn't think they were going to be planted, you're, you're up for a disaster, right? How many of you love that your spouse is planted? Amen? Uh, planted, and, and, and I love my heroes in ministry are people that are planted no matter how hard it gets, no matter how discouraged they are, they stick it out, 
they stay with the Lord. I, I love steadfast leaders. They are my heroes. I love missionaries who are in villages and, and little podoc towns in the middle of, uh, of obscurity, out in the middle of nowhere with no social media presence, with doing like nothing no one sees. They're sitting there just loving on people, feeding people, preaching the gospel to people, and just meeting needs. Those are my kind of people. Amen. I, I love that, and I'm always, I'm always uh, excited to see missionaries. Next week, you need to be here. We're having our missionary from Guatemala. Our missionaries from Guatemala, they're going to be with us next week. Uh, be here. You do not want to miss what God is doing. I had a chance to talk to, to Les uh, this week and uh, just had a great conversation with him. I love them dearly. How many know God is doing great things everywhere? Amen. So we want to, I want to just tell you that. So people like Les, they're, they're my heroes. You know who else are people that are my heroes? Children workers. The people that are faithful to go in there and wipe snotty noses. Right? And to love on your kids. Come on. You know how your kids are. To love on your kids while you can come in here and you could worship freely and, and not have to worry. And, and man, they're my heroes, People, children workers that are faithful and that they're here. How about this? Another, another uh, you know, group of people, and this is not just these, these people specifically, but uh, I'm just talking in, in generality. How about the, uh, I love the greeters of, of the church that come in faithfully, that come in early, that come in with a smile on their face. One of the greatest things that I love as a pastor walking in here on Sunday morning, people are like, hi, pastor, hi, pastor, hi, pastor, right? I love that. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. I love people that, that put roots down. I love pastors who put roots down. And when the, when the soil gets tough, and they, they, they toil, and they love on people who are unlovable. I love people like that. And behind almost every success story is usually a season of preparation and growth. Can I tell you that? Right? No one wants to talk about that. We, do, we like the success, but we don't like to talk about what it took to get to the success. Right? And, and God will oftentimes put us in a holding pattern to, listen to me, to shape us. Come on, somebody. Right? To show us how faithful he is to us. Right? And to, and to get the best out of us. And I'm grateful for the Lord, that the Lord's been patient with me. And I'm grateful that the Lord has put leaders in my, in my path and mentors in my life who are willing to sometimes tell me the hard thing that I need to hear. Because sometimes there's a course correction that needs to happen within my heart. Amen. Am I the only one? All right. I just wanted to make sure. So, uh, and there's been times where, you know, mentors have spoken to my life when I wanted to quit, when I wanted to, to walk away. They've said, hey, remember the call of God on your life. Stand firm. Keep going. Don't quit. Stay in the fight. Listen, you can give a little bit more. And I'm grateful that somebody kicked me in the rear end and kept me going. Amen. Amen. I love that. And so uh, I, wa I want to just tell you this. The text that I read during this time is, is shortly about 50 years after, after Solomon had died and the kingdom of Israel had split. There was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. There was 11 tribes in the northern kingdom and one tribe, the tribe of, uh, of Judah in the south. And so uh, there was this connection and it, it, there was a schism. There was a split and there were two kingdoms. And in the south was King Rehoboam who was cruel and he was a callous king. And, and in the north 
birth was King Jeroboam. They were very creative with their names, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. I don't know. And, and, and King Jeroboam was, was very gifted, but he was a godless king. Listen to me. We don't need more uh, gifted leaders. We need more godly leaders. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. And so this process, this schism happens after time, and there, there was a, a sinful, sinister leaders coming and rising out of the northern kingdom, and, and there was a bloody revolution in which there was the crescendo or the apex of the ungodly leaders was this king named King Ahab. Everyone say Ahab. And Ahab was, was not a godly king. And meanwhile, listen, so, so we got this ungodly king, but look at this. Meanwhile, meanwhile, everyone say meanwhile, at the same time, God's working behind the scenes in this rough, rugged country of Gilead. We would say over in Greene County, God is raising up somebody. Come on, right? Uh, and, and, and he is raising up this, this man, to this powerful prophet, a man who would stand in the presence of the Lord, a man who would speak uh, with, the, uh, with the power of the Lord, and a man who was familiar with the Holy Scripture. And I love this. Elijah burst onto the scene, and he comes in strong. Amen. I love the spirit of Elijah. He, he is confrontational. He is not afraid to say what needs to be said. You know why? Because he loves God. He trusts God. And Elijah, he comes into the scene and he confronts the wicked king Ahab to proclaim. And he goes in and he says this to him. He says, it shall not rain according to my word. Our text doesn't tell us that God told Elijah to say that at all. It just says that, that he just says, hey, it will not rain according to whose word? My word. Elijah, he is, he is professing something very powerful. It's a very bold statement. It takes a lot of faith for, to say that kind of statement to a sinful king. Hey, I'm just letting you know this is the way it's going to be. Why? Why would he be, have the strength to do this? I want to I just real fast, Elijah, uh, I, you know, I believe there was things within Elijah here that he, that he had this boldness to be able to say that. Number one was this, that Elijah had a heart for God. He had a heart for God. He loved God. He, he wasn't doing this to increase his social media following or prestige. Come on, somebody. He wasn't calling out the king so people would, would flock to him. No, 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 no. He was, he was on mandate to do what God had told him. He had the heart of God. Amen. He didn't want to be in the headlines. It wasn't about the news, right? Sometimes, man, it's all about this. This week, Novak, he, he made a little YouTube video. And, and, and man, he, he, he probably watched it as much as anybody. But he said, man, the other day he got up uh, yesterday and he said, Dad, I have 38 views on my YouTube video. And I said, how many times did you watch it? He said, probably twice. I said, probably 36. Right? Elijah wasn't in it for followers. No, 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 no. It wasn't about that. It was about doing what God wanted him to do. Uh, you know, he, you know, the thing about this, he was so bold. You know, he could have lost his head by going in and making such a, such a harsh statement. He loved God so much that he risked his neck to go into Ahab and make this incredible prophetic prediction. 
Elijah had a heart of God. Here's the second thing. Elijah knew the history of God. How many have been through some things, and you can look back over your life and say, hey, if God brought me out then, he'll bring me out now. If he did it for Moses, if he did it for them, he'll do it for me. Amen? Deuteronomy 11, 11, 16, 17 says that, that if the people turned their hearts away from God, the heavens would what? Dry up. You ever wonder why we're in a dry season? Where are your hearts? Have we turned our hearts towards God? Could it be that our nation is so dry and desperate for a move of God? But, you know, I, I love this Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, If my people, which are called by not my name, shall what? Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Amen? Amen. That's a word right there. Elijah knew that God and the, the history of the hearts of the people turning from God and, and the land drying up. Here's the third thing. Elijah w was uh, heard by God. You know that God hears your prayers. James chapter 5 says this. Eli Elijah, it talks about Elijah. Elijah was a man of passions like you and me. He was just like you and me. He, was, he, had, he had a lot of passion, and yet he prayed, and the heavens were what? Shut up. That means that God was listening. In other words, he was heard by God. Sometimes my wife is speaking to me, and I'm hearing it, but I'm not hearing it. But, but how many knows that God hears the call of those who are righteous? God hears those who are calling out his name. Amen? James uh, uh, chapter 5, the, the second part of verse 16 says, The affected fervent prayer of a righteous man, it does what? It avails much. It catches God's attention. That's why it avails. It's beautiful. The reason Elijah was so powerful in public, listen to me, the reason Elijah was so powerful in public was because he was prayerful in private. Amen? Let me ask you that. How is your prayer life outside of church? How is your prayer life do you pray on your own, or do you just pray when I ask you to pray here at church? Do you pray over your meals? Is, is that the extent of your prayer life? And the reason that he was so bold and the reason that he was so powerful is because he had this communion with God. Hey, I'm praying. I know what he, I know his heart. And if you have the heart of God, you too will know the history of God and be heard by God to, do, to radically speak faith and prayer into any situation, all right? Today, I, I want to talk to you. Actually, I, I want to encourage you. Everyone, say, everyone look at your neighbor and say, Pastor wants to encourage you today. All right, if you are in a season where you seem to be alone, where relationships seem to be drying up, where finances seem to be drying up, where your popularity seems to be drying up, and maybe you are drying up, there is a source that will never run dry, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? He is the living water. When, when you find yourself in a season of waiting or a season of obscurity, God is up to something within you. Okay, you ready for this? Here you go. Point number one right here. I'll, I'll tell you this. Here, the reason that God takes us to seasons of obscurity and some things that we can glean from this story is, number one, it is for your protection. Your protection. That, sometimes God takes you out of the picture to protect you from things that will destroy you. Oh, King Ahab was wicked and his wife Jezebel was even worse, right? 
if King Ahab was the head, then Jezebel was the neck. Whatever Jezebel said, Ahab did. Come on. And, and they were wicked, and, and she worshipped her idols, and she controlled her husband. And Jezebel's name means this. Do you know what Jezebel's name means? A pile of dung. A heap of dung. That's a terrible name, right? And Elijah, he comes out swinging, and he spoke that there would be a drought. He comes in, hey, I'm not going to be... I'm not, yeah, listen, I'm not going to let you intimidate me because I know who my God is. I don't care who you are. I don't care how intimidating. You can kill me. You can do whatever. But listen, and after this amazing, courageous moment, God tells him this. Hey, go to, the book, go to the brook Cherith for protection. Go, go, get out of here. Go hide. I don't know about you. You know what's frustrating to me as a leader? When, when you feel like, man, you're, you're, you're doing something and God's promoting you and God's taking you somewhere. And maybe you have a moment where God promotes you and then God's like, okay, now I want you to go back here and be hidden for a little bit. You know what that is when we struggle with that? That's pride on ourselves because it's about us. It's not about what God wants us to do. And, 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 and so there's this, this thing, there's protection. In 1 Kings uh, verse 17, verse 3, it says this. The Lord simply tells him, this is the first bit of instruction God tells him to do. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. And it's amazing to me how God will protect people and their calling and he will hide them in the most obscure places sometimes. All right? Listen, I, I'm speaking to somebody today. And how he will hide you. He will, he will take you. Elijah, man, he hid by a stream. That's it. Go, go to the brook Cherith. Go over there. Sit and wait. Some of you in this building I know are outdoors people and be like, I'll go hide by the brook like Elijah. I'm good with that. I'll go fishing for a while. I'll go sit by the brook. I'll, I'll hang out, uh, out in the woods. But, but there he was, and God took him to an obscure place from the palace to by the brook. Here, here's another one. When, when Moses, he killed the Egyptian, he went, and he went to the backside of the desert, and he hid for how long? Forty years. God protected him. There was a reason. Hey, I need to get him out of Pharaoh's court. I need to get him out of here because I've got a purpose for him, and I need him to go out to the desert. He needs to learn some things about the desert. He needs to learn what to do when a scorpion bites. He needs to learn, and I'm going to put him in the desert, and he's going to learn these things, and then I'm going to promote him, and then we're going to take 3.5 million uh, uh, Israelites out, and they're going to do great things, and I will prepare him. Amen. Here's another one, Mary and Joseph. You know what? And Jesus, Herod had put a decree out. Hey, we're going to kill all the babies under two years old in Bethlehem. And what did God do? God sent Jesus to obscurity in Egypt to hide and to what? Protect him. So let me tell you something. If God's got you in that season, you ought to say, God, thank you for your protection on my life. See, what happens if, is, is if, if we aren't careful, we can mistake a season of protection as a season of punishment. God, why am I here? Why, why am I over here? Why is nobody paying attention to me? Can I tell you something? God's timing isn't always in line with our 21st century microwave social media timing, right? God doesn't get anxious. We get anxious. Lord, come on, come on, come on. God's like, ha, ha, it's all good. 
I'm not going to worry about it. Listen, it'll work out. It's all good, right? Yeah, calm down, TJ. Calm down, right? And sometimes I bring anxiety and I get anxiety in, in, my, in my life and even in my walk with the Lord because I'm in a hurry and God's just like, chill. You ever been around somebody that's just, just relaxed, chill, just like nothing really phases them? You know why you struggle to be around people like that? Because they're content and they're happy in their life. But you are less uptight, right? In a hurry, all, all those good things. But I'll, I'll give you a good example of this. Man, this is a great example. When I fly somewhere, I'm always anxious to get through the TSA and security at the airport. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's the one thing that I know if I'm going to have trouble. Come on, Eric, you know what I'm talking about. Every time that guy, they take him over there and they frisk him but um, on missions trip. But listen, uh, you know, that's the one place that I know if I'm going to have a hiccup, that's where it's going to be at the airport, right? So I'm always just this little bit of anxiety, and, and I'm struggling to get through there, you know, and I'm not trying to look at people the wrong way. I don't want them to get the wrong idea. I'm not, you know, I'm just trying to walk the line the best I can. Stop, sir. Right? I'm all tense and all that. And, and here's the thing. I, I get anxious about trying to get through that in such a hurry, but I have to remember the TSA is there for what? My protection. They're trying to screen people and get, get, make sure nobody's bringing anything on the plane that they're not supposed to bring. Amen. And the same thing with the Lord. He's working those things. I'm trying to protect you. He's saying, Skiles, I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to help you here. But you're in a hurry. Slow down. Three and a half years, Elijah wanted, he waited by the brook Cherith for, for the next step. We get mad at God when it's a week. Ooh, quiet in here. We get upset when it's not in our timing. Have you ever thought, uh, you know, um, why God used ravens to feed Elijah? Did you ever think about that? I don't know, pretty gross, a raven bringing you food. You know, um, it's, I mean, the first door dash, literally ravens, right? Pretty gross. How many of you would eat? A sandwich, bread, and a little bit of meat coming out of a raven's mouth, dropping down from the sky. I mean, most of you are like, oh, it, it, it's crazy to me that God would use ravens. If, if God would have used, you know, if God would have used people, here's the problem. If God would have used people, people would have brought him things, and I believe God could have brought provision. But those people could have also told people where he was. And so God was like, I, I'm not even going to give people that. And if God would have used any other animal, like a deer or something else, you know, people could have followed those animals. But nobody in the world pays attention to what ravens are doing. Right? You see blackbirds on the road, but you don't, you don't watch where they're going. God knew that there was a protection to what he was doing and what he was bringing to him. God used an unclean raven, which no one, you know, nobody ever pays attention to. So maybe you feel like you're in a season of ambiguity. Yeah, obscurity. How about that? No one sees uh, sees me here. I'm alone, right? Uh, they're overlooking me to do this or that. I've been there. Can I tell you something? Maybe God is protecting you. S stop complaining. Psalm 91. I love this. In the, in the in LT, I I love this. Look, it says this: uh, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High 
high will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Listen to me. I'm going to read that again. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I will trust him. Verse 3, for he will rescue me from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. Number 4, verse 4, he will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. That tells me that God is your protector. I read this verse and I proclaim this verse over seasons in my life where I didn't know what to do and I was struggling and, and God reminded me, I've got you. I'm covering you. Trust me. And, he, and, he, and, and that's what I know. In the seasons of waiting on the Lord, trust the Lord. Everyone say, trust the Lord. Here's a second thing that, I, that we can glean from this story is provision. Verse 4 says this. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Um, and, and God is meeting Elijah's needs. And I, here's what I want to do. I want to break this down because you read that really fast. I read that really fast. And there was a whole lot of information that if you don't slow down and read the word of God that you'll miss. Here's number one. Uh, God's provision was where? There. Let me read it again. You shall drink from the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you where? Not where I want to be, but where? Where God told me to be. By the brook. God didn't say, go back to the, go back towards Ahab's palace and, and go back over there. Hey, burrito barns over there. No, no, no. God said, I will take care of you where? There. God's provision was where? There by the brook. Nowhere else. If you want God's provision on your life, listen, you need to understand that provision will be there. Where? It's the place of obedience. Obedience to the Lord. Listen to me. Obedience to the Lord always leads to provision and blessing. It means God will take care of you. A lot of people are out there working and they're striving and they're trying, trying to help the Lord with their ambitions. Come on. Lord, let me help you. Let me speed this up for you. Let me, let me do this. Let me, let, me, let me tell you what my dreams are. When God's saying, stay put right where you are at. Because I can bless you here. I can protect you here. I can give you provision here. Hold on. I'm not done with you in this season. In this season, the ravens didn't chase Elijah, right? But Elijah just waited. And they brought food when he was obedient. Here's the second thing that you can, you can miss really fast is we see God provided the supply of water. That meant that every day, listen to me. All right, you ready for this? Buckle up, everyone. Everyone buckle up because this may be a little bit heavy for some of you. All right, you ready for this? Secondly, we see God provided the supply of water. That meant that every day Elijah had to get up and go down in his natural self and go down to the brook and get some water. God, God will bring things to your life, but sometimes there's a requirement on yourself that God wants you to do. I'll provide this for you, but you'll have to get up and go get it. Some of you say, I need more money, and God's giving you jobs and extra work and this stuff. And like, I don't know why I don't have any money. God is providing for you, but you're not getting up to go get it. Come on, somebody, right? Oh, 
Some people, they get used to God's provision from the ravens, but they expect God to do everything for them. Hey, listen to me. Listen to me, young generation. Listen, you want God to just, God, you just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Well, you know what? God's waiting on you to take a step of faith. Hey, I've provided. Let's see if you step out and truly trust me. God provided the water, but Elijah in the natural had to get up and get it. You know, one of the things, if I need a drink, when I was in Gatlinburg, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I was, I was thirsty, and we, we didn't stop at the store to get water bottles, and I was super thirsty. We were at a hotel, and I was like, so thirsty, and, uh, I, and I was like, man, there's got to be a water, and it was like 3 in the morning, and I was like, man, I got out of bed, the lights were bright in the hallway, and I walked out to the hall, and I, I woke my wife up before I walked out to the hallway, and I was like, I need some money for, for the soda machine. I'm going to go get a water. And she's like, why are you waking me up? Besides, I'm like, I'm, I'm so thirsty, right? But listen, she gave me money, but I had to go and I had to get that so I could fulfill what God had provided. Amen? And God provided for him, but he had to get up and he had to do it. See, you've heard me say it sometimes in this walk with God, is he's looking for obedience in our flesh. Amen? And we can be obedient in the natural and God will supply the super. Right? If Elijah would have, have only been concerned with the natural, he would have starved. Right? If he'd have just been focusing on the water, he'd had plenty of water, but he would have eventually starved, right? But but in, in, in if he would have just focused uh, uh, on the supernatural, guess what? He'd have ate, but he would have been dehydrated, and he would have died. It, it took both of those. Listen, I, you've heard me say this before. When you do what you know is wise and what the Bible says, and you walk in, in, in wisdom and what God is telling you, that is your natural man. Hey, I am going to do this. God is moved by our faith, and then he comes in with the super, and he is the ultimate support. Supply, amen. If you'll do in the natural what God has told you to, He'll supply the super. Here's the last thing. Lastly, the, the ravens brought him bread and meat to eat twice a day. I, I picture Elijah like a little bird. I don't know. It's just my mind. Ravens coming by. Scripture says they, they dropped the food down to him. That's pretty cool. This unclean animal was the source that God would use to feed Elijah. Did you, did you catch that? The unclean animal. One that was not fit. One that shouldn't have been used. Proverbs, uh, Scripture says they, that they dropped the fruit. Proverbs 13, 22 says this, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the what? Righteous. Sometimes God will use the, the dirty old sinner, the unclean, the, the, the raven to take care of his children. Amen? Sometimes it's a supply that we don't even always understand. I, I'll give you a good example. Uh, one of my pastor friends in, in California, he tells this story when he was working in the oil fields and he was on the evangelistic field. And, um, the, the economy had taken a turn and he, you know, the oil fields are up and then they're down. They're up and down and it was down and he was preaching on the weekends and, and, and he was giving work to other guys who needed it there. And so he said he got to uh, around Christmas time. He had small children and he uh, had $37 in his bank account, and it was a few days before Christmas, and he had not bought Christmas presents, all right? I don't know the timing on this, you know, if this was in, uh, you know, probably early 90s, something like that. How many know that that's not a very good Christmas? And 
there he was, and he, was, he really wasn't worried about it, but he just trusted in God. And he said this, this. I love this story. He would tell it 20 times better than I can. But he says he was sitting there at his house, and, and he heard a knock at the door. And he went to the door, and it was the town drunk. And the town drunk was plastered right there in front of him. And he said, Pastor, I may be a drunk, but I know the Lord's voice. He said, I may be a drunk, and everyone may cast me out, but I know the Lord's voice. And he reached into his pocket, and he pulled out $500 and gave it to him. Beautiful, beautiful story, right? And God will use whomever he wants to take care of you. Amen? Oh, Oh, I was a youth pastor once, and let me tell you something, uh, the joys of being a youth pastor. Matter of fact, I saw a lot of my youth kids while I was down there. Uh, you know, one of my youth kids is now the youth pastor of the youth group that I was at, and he was introducing me to his kids. He said, guys, this is my youth pastor. And he goes, this is the best youth pastor ever. And I was just like, that is so cool. I'm old. But when I was a youth pastor, I'll never forget me and Tristan. I left a job in the oil field paying me really good money, and I left a job to go be a youth pastor because I just I needed to trust, cut my, 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 my pay in half, literally, with the family. Didn't know how God was going to do it, just trusted God, went and did it. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget, I took, I was picking Zaylee up from school. She was in kindergarten, and there I was, and there was a lady there, and, and her, she was a, a Baptist minister. Her husband was a Baptist minister. He had lost his life. And he had in a tragic accident just shortly after we had been there. And she was sitting there, and she came up to me, and uh, her daughter and my daughter were friends. And she said this. She said, TJ, and I was just like, hey, how are you? You know, you're picking up kids. How are you doing? She said, TJ, do you need a car? And I was like, what did you say? Do, do you guys need another car? Because we had one car, and Tristan was working. And I mean, we were doing all kinds of logistic nightmares. And, and I said, we really could use a car. And she said, I want to give you this car. And I just, I just, I broke down crying right there in front of the car. I was like, God, you, you know the supply. God, you know, I feel like I was in obscurity as a youth pastor. Nobody's paying attention to me. And God reminded me, hey, I've got you, Skiles. I've got you in the palm of my hand. You need provision, I'll bring you provision. Don't let, don't trust people. I will make it happen. I will use people. Amen? Psalms 37, 25 says this, I have been young, and now I am old. I mean, I can relate to that. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. If you're in obscurity, can I tell you something? God will provide for you. Sometimes God will use ravens. Sometimes God will use godly people. If God takes you to the obscure place of waiting, Know that if you're obedient, you do what, he, what you know to do that, and, and, and what his word says to do, God will protect and provide. Here's the last one right here. Come on, worship team. Purpose right here. Purpose. When God is preparing you for, for purpose, he will protect, he will provide for you when you're obedient to his word and will. For three and a half years, listen, three and a half years. Everyone say three and a half. Elijah sat by the brook cherub day by day. God brought him I don't know, bologna sandwiches every day, a little meat, a little bread, a little meat, a little bread, twice a day. 
And, th- and listen to me. The name Cherith means this, to cut or cutting. Can I tell you something? When Elijah was sitting there, he didn't have Netflix to binge watch whatever was on Netflix. He didn't have a TV to do any of those things. You know what? He didn't have his phone to entertain himself. He didn't sit on his phone and watch TikTok reels all day. Come on, somebody, right? But for three and a half years, there was a commune between him and God. No distractions. The only distraction was when the ravens came, right? No distraction, just, just him and God. And that name Cherith means to cut. And sometimes in our purpose, God will take us and hide us, and he'll start cutting things away from us that need to die on us before he promotes us. I've been there in my life. I know that. The purpose of waiting and the purpose of pain and disappointment loss is this, to prepare you for your assignment. I'll give you a good example. Moses, and I, I talked about, about him. Moses got ahead of God. Right? He got mad at the, at the Egyptian who was whipping the slave, and he, he killed that Egyptian. He got a little bit ahead of God. This is, this is amazing. And, and God did this. Remember, God hid him in the desert for 40 years. And on the backside of the desert, God began cutting him. He cut his ties to Egypt and said, hey, you, you are an Israelite. You are not an Egyptian. You have a purpose. You have a destiny. You need to learn to do this. You need to learn to love these people. I've got a purpose. And, and, and God began to... To, to show him what plants that they needed for sunburns. And God began to show him, hey, this is good for scorpion bites, or these are the snakes that you need to not worry or worry about, ones that you do need to worry about, right? And God began to shape him. God was preparing him for the wilderness before he ever got to his 3.5 million Jews walking to the Red Sea. There was a long preparation process. The purpose of ministry is singular. Listen to me. The purpose of ministry is singular. It can be summed up in this statement, to point you to Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the purpose of ministry is to point me to Jesus Christ, is to point you to Jesus Christ. That's our goal. Hey, my goal as a pastor, him, him, go to him. Amen? Amen? When I started ministry, can I tell you something? I, I'm going to be a little, little open here. When I started ministry, I knew everything. I was critical. I could out-preach. Come on. I'm just being real. I could out-sing. I, I could out-ambition you. I could out-work you. Because God was going to. And let me tell you something. In the process of my life, I've learned this. The gifting can only get you this far. The anointing of the Holy Spirit will take you further. You can't do that in the flesh. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And listen, and sometimes in the obscurity, when you're sitting by the cherith and God is cutting you, and, and I'm not talking physically cutting you, okay? But when God is cutting things out of your life that need to go, selfish ambition, pride, my desire, I want to me, me, serve, me, 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 me. God will say, you know what? That needs to die before you can be used by me. Because I want it to be point people to me. The Savior of the world, point people to me. Matter of fact, you know what my job is to this? I just tell you, whew, it's him. 
It's not me. I promise you. In every season of my life, God began to cut things out of me. And he began to shape me. And I, he humbled me. Sometimes I had to come to the altar and just weep and cry and say, God, I'm sorry. You have a bigger plan than my little ambition. Forgive me for being this way. Can I tell you something? This is amazing to me. The next part of, of 1 Kings chapter 17 is when the brook dries up, we see Elijah. God gives him the next step. He, he, he's giving him the next step. And he says, hey, this is what you need to do. Next phase of ministry. Elijah, go to Zarephath. And there is a widow there. And you know the story. He goes in there. And there's the widow. And then the oil incident. And God does miraculous things. Then he, then he raises the, the widow's son to life. And God prepares him and begins to start using him in a more miraculous way. I believe during the waiting season of obscurity, God will, not, God will not only protect you and provide for you like he did Elijah, but, but I believe he did this. He solidified and his purpose and began to cut things out of Elijah's life. You know what's cool about Elijah? The dude did not die. You know how he left this earth? It's like, you know, him and Elisha are walking along. Hey, here, here's my man. I'll see you later. Oh, yeah, this chariot's just going to take me on up to heaven. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So maybe you're here and you, you feel like you're in the waiting and you're, you're in an obscure season. And can I tell you something? Be, be confident in this. God's given you one thing to do at a time. Don't overwhelm yourself with all the details. Think about one thing at a time. God, what is it? Be obedient to his word. Be patient as the Lord protects and he provides and prepares for you his purpose for him. Maybe you'll feel like the brook is drying up. Can I tell you something? Don't, don't get overexcited. Don't, don't jump too fast because God's got a purpose and God's got a timing, right? And maybe you feel like the brook is drying up and you've been dependent on relationships. You've been dependent on relationships. You've been dependent on finances. You've been dependent on your health. You've been dependent on your own popularity. Let me tell you, if those things dry up, they die, they go away. And I'm reminded, listen to me, only Jesus can satisfy. I'm grateful that I get to do ministry. And listen, it is rewarding. But only Jesus can satisfy. Serving in ministry will not satisfy. Only Jesus can satisfy. John 7, 37, it says this. Jesus said this. If anyone thirst, let him come unto me and drink. This is what I want to do today. I, I know the hour's, the hour's close here. But if you're here today and you've been in a season of obscurity, You say, hey, pastor, that's me. That's me. And you say, hey, I just, I just, I just need to come. I just, I just need to, I need that fresh water. I need a fresh touch from the Lord. If that's, if that's you in your heart, will you just, just come, just come out of your seat right now. I want to give you this, this moment. If that's you, thank you. Thank you. Come on.